You're listening to the Getting Mindful with Megan podcast. Hey y'all, welcome to the Get- Hey y'all. Hey, welcome to the Getting Mindful with Megan podcast. I'm so grateful you guys are here. We are diving into perfectionism today, and I know most of my listeners like you guys are people who do the work. A lot of you are coaches. You've learned a lot about perfectionism. And I think there's so much good in what we've learned, but I want to take this topic a little bit deeper. I want to take you through ideas of how to actually implement the opposite of perfection, which is progress. And I think that when we fall into the counterfeit gospel of perfectionism, it actually damns us from our progress, which is the opposite of what we desire. So I'm really excited. We're going to take... Perfection, and we're going to go like seven layers deeper probably than you've ever went with it. We're going to be talking about grace. We're going to be talking about pressure. We're going to talk about fear. We're going to talk about that urge to need to do more. It's going to be amazing. I hope that you guys are ready for this. Let's do it. The first thing I want to just do with you though is I we got to define perfectionism. I think that's super helpful just to kind of really get a good definition of it. So when you look in the dictionary, let me pull this up. It says a perfectionist is a person who is not content with anything that is not perfect or nearly perfect. Okay. A perfectionist is a person who is not content with anything that is not perfect or nearly perfect. A person who believes that it is possible to lead a sinless life. Okay. So that is the definition of perfection. And I think it's important to know that. So just think about it for a second. A perfectionist is a person who's not content with anything that is not perfect or nearly perfect. To me, that seems like the perfect recipe for unhappiness, the perfect recipe for uh, heaviness in our life. And I can, I think that because it places impossible and completely unrealistic expectations on ourselves and everyone around us. There's a lie that I think the adversary tells us and that it is possible to be perfect now if we just think harder, if we just try harder, if we just work harder, if we do more, then we will be perfect and we will feel all better. If we're perfect, we'll be happy. So it all comes down to, I want to be happier. I want to feel better. So I just need to think harder, try harder, work harder, do more, and then I will be perfect and then I'll be good. And it's a lie. You guys know it's a total lie. And I think it's one that a lot of us who do thought work can or are religious or have like learned religious, like having a religious upbringing can really easily fall into because there is so much truth in that when we do think harder, when we do try harder, when we do work more, there is truth that it can bring us more peace and more happiness. It's not the actions of doing more thought work and trying harder and working harder that bring us peace and happiness. It is the feeling in us that propels us to do that that is what matters. So I want you to think of it like this. Life is progress, right? I want you to think like there's like a destination and it doesn't happen for a really long time, like not during this life for sure. There's like this destination and we're like on the path and we're just progressing towards it. Here's the thing. When you read in Matthew and it says, be therefore perfect, even as I am, if you check out the footnote, I know a lot of you guys have heard this, but if you, if you check out the footnote, it describes perfection as complete, fully finished, fully processed. Okay. So think of perfection, like the perfection that we hear about a lot of times in like religious context or even like in um, the 
thought work world or the psychology world, think of it as fully processed. I love this definition of it. And the life you're living is how you process to it. So like you can't be fully processed without experience, without life, without weakness, without sin, without struggle, without not being perfect. So this is the funny thing. If we think of it as being fully processed and then we are over here, like 20 year old Megan, fully processed would be like, let's say, well, I don't even believe this. I think it happens after this life, but whatever, that's up to you to decide. But like, let's say we get fully processed when we hit a hundred, like 20 year old Megan shouldn't be stressed about not being fully processed at 20 when fully processed doesn't happen until we experience 80 more years of life. Do you get what I'm saying? And so we just have to be so careful. Like we just have to understand that, that this idea that we should be perfect now is a lie from the adversary to keep you from progressing towards that goal that you have of perfection. It's so funny. It keeps you away from it. It also keeps you from going to God going to your higher self. I'm going to say God, you guys, because I that's the what I think of. And so if you want to just flip that in your brain when you're listening to this, you totally can think of like universe, higher self, whatever you're in the mood for. But like it keeps us from God because we don't ever look at our weaknesses and realize how much we need a God, right? Because we're like, no, I have no weaknesses. I've got to keep going. Or we're like, I have so much weakness. I have to keep going. It puts all the pressure on us. So perfection assumes that we can perform our way to heaven. Honestly, you guys, it, it assumes that we can perform our way to happiness. Like if we just do X, Y, and Z, we'll be happy. It is a formula for discouragement. And I think any time I've ever believed it, I just feel terrible. Perfectionism whispers to us that you should, that you have to, that you should be good enough. You should get good enough to fix everything in your life, to make everything good and everybody around you. And when you completely fail, which you will, if you think that, it moves into discouragement to like, you're incapable, you're inept, you're inadequate, nothing you do is right, you're a loser. You guys, those thoughts are like self-abuse. <laughs> There's nothing good about them. Like they they just bring little abusive thoughts and it starts with just this one little tangled up belief and that's that we should be perfect right now. And that we should have it all together now. And now I'm going to dive into something that I'm sure you guys don't want to hear, but we're going to do it anyways. And that's on social media. I think our generation is addicted to dopamine hit. And so we love social media. But the thing is with social media is that it puts you into almost like a trance-like state. So it gets your brain operating in a theta brain wavelength. And um, you guys have felt it when you zone, when you get real zoned in on social media. And in that state, when your mind, where your thoughts are kind of turned off and you're just, you're just present almost with whatever you're doing, you become really susceptible to change. That's where you start programming software in your brain. Your brain functions on 95% of the time you're working off of subconscious software. So you're not actually conscious very much. And so Whatever you're programming when you get into that state is going to be what literally dictates your life and how you react to situations and how you live for 95% of the time. So what this tells me is that social media, while it has its perks and its good things, it can be very dangerous because what people who create content know is that perfect pictures and perfect 
scenarios, these desires, these perfect looking images, they sell. <laughs> um, when a fitness influencer posts her perfect body, everyone says, I want that. And it sells their product. When I post this perfect, you know, my family out at our river property and I talk about how perfect manifesting has been, it sells. I get a lot of responses on it. When somebody who flips houses posts perfect square images or videos of the houses that they've created with fun music behind it, it sells. And so that's why they do it. And I'm not dissing on them for doing it. It's how they run their businesses and it works. But here's the problem. It's creating unrealistic belief and thought patterns in your brain that are causing you to not progress. They're keeping you stuck. They're keeping you not moving forward. When you think somebody has a perfect business and they show you how great they are and how wealthy they are and their perfect finances and blah, 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 it keeps you from doing and moving forward in your progression. Perfectionism is a damning. It like stops the flow of progress. So I just want you to be very aware of that. And, you know, for me, like I've decided to take a step back from social media in a lot of ways because I recognize that for my own brain, it's not doing much good. And honestly, for the people I love and want to serve, it's not doing much good. I'd way rather you guys come hang out with me on a podcast because social media, I'm not trying to be like a hater or anything. I see the the positives and I can see why it can be good. But I just think we need to be so careful because I coach so many people who deeply struggle with perfectionism. And I think we've got to look at what's changed in the last 10 years. I just read a study that BYU did that that in the last, since 2013 till now, that anxiety and perfectionistic tendencies, OCD, they have gone up 145% in 10 years. What is the contributing factor, you guys? The thing that's changed is social media. Like that is the big thing that's changed. So I just think like there's a lot more to it. I, I mean, I could dive into that just alone. But everyone I've talked to that is really conscious and aware can tell you the same thing. Social media doesn't always really serve their brain. So just be careful there. And be careful of falling into this idea that everyone has this perfect life that doesn't have weakness in it. It's bullcrap, you guys. The girl who posts the perfect body, she isn't showing you the weakness. We live on a fallen earth. There is opposition in all things, including humans. We were given weakness by God so that we would draw near unto him, right? It was like, you'll come unto me in your weakness. You'll realize you have these weaknesses. You'll realize I can't do this on my own. And so you'll go to God. But if you have a perfectionistic mentality, you'll say, I shouldn't have these weaknesses. And you'll hide from God. Think about that. You'll hide. I shouldn't have these weaknesses. You'll get stressed. You'll start, you'll feel shame. And you'll either hide or you'll start blaming others. Actually, it's their fault. And you'll blame somebody else. And you will never go to God in your weakness, which is the whole point of having weakness in the first place. So this is something funny that my brain does. I wanted to share this with you guys because I bet that I'm not the only one. (laughs) So something funny my brain does is it tells me two things. It says, you're doing too much. And then it also says, you're not doing enough. Like I'll be doing a lot and I'll, and I'll be stressed and overwhelmed. 
And then I'll get stressed and overwhelmed. And then my brain's like, you're not doing anything. You're such a loser. You're, you're the worst. You can't do anything. You suck. I don't know. Maybe your brain does the same thing too. And I, I think it's good to just bring awareness to it. My brain does that. And what I have chosen to do is I've chosen to look at what I'm doing and really determine if it comes from a place of shoulds, perfectionism, have tos, or if it's like the world and like people around me telling me, you should be doing this. You know, you should, you should be doing more of this in your business. You should be doing this with your kids. Your kids shouldn't be doing this, blah, 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 blah. Is that why I'm doing it? Or is it because I like just feel love? And so I've been looking at why I'm doing what I'm doing. And then the next one, you're not doing enough. When I recognize what I'm doing and where it comes from, that feeling goes away. That, that energy of like, you're not doing enough, it really goes away because, because I know what I'm doing is meaningful. I'm not just falling into like the world's ways of doing things. And I know like I can, I'm fulfilled and I don't need to be doing more. Um, so a question that I've been asking myself that I think would help all of us to ask is where do you go to determine your task list? Do you go to social media and you see all the things you should be doing to have a perfect body, all the things you should be doing to have a perfect life and a perfect house and perfect financials? Are you going to people? Are you going to the world? Are you going to the set of societal standards and cultural thought patterns to determine what you should be doing? or are you going within? Are you going and are you asking God? Are you checking in with how you feel? What's motivating the action? So this is something I'm really big on. And you guys probably know this because I talk about it a lot, but love, like what is motivating your actions is how you can determine if it's going to bring good fruit, right? It's the same thing. Like your thoughts create your feelings. What's motivating your actions? What feeling is it that's motivating those actions that are creating your results? Well, we have to look at those, those feelings. And so thoughts like I should, I have to, I should be more worthy. I should be more good. I shouldn't sin. Those types of thoughts, what fruit are they producing? The action doesn't really matter. I know I've said this, but I want to say it again. Like the action doesn't really matter. Like the actions are neutral. It's how we feel while we do the actions that count. God says, right? I look upon the heart. So how can we get our hearts turned on and motivated and full of love and abundance? You guys ready? This is where it gets fun. I love the idea of heart coherence. So a lot of like spiritual teachers right now are teaching about like, heart coherence. But really what that is, is just like softening your heart and like having a malleable heart. So my friend did the the coolest little object lesson the other day on social media. She took a stone, right? And she poured love on it. And or <laughs> poured love on it. She poured water on it. And the water was representing love. And the stone obviously couldn't really take any of it. It just floated around him, but he ne- like the stone never, it never like penetrated inside the stone. And then she took um, a washcloth, like a spongy washcloth, and it was very malleable. It was soft. It's 
warm, like a warm heart, right? It's all those types of things. She poured the water, which represented love, onto it, and it expanded it, and it totally soaked into it, right? And so her object lesson was just teaching that when love is coming to us, if we don't have a soft heart, then if we don't have heart coherence, if our heart isn't alive and awakened and open and ready to receive, then it'll be like the stony heart that it just like flows around and it never really penetrates and we won't be able to feel real love from God. We won't be able to feel real love from our friends. We won't be able to have that that feeling of love and abundance right now. And so the question becomes, how do we awaken the heart? How do we open up the heart? How do we get that soft heart, that malleable heart? And I think one of the first things that we do is we become aware. One, we we just become humble. We become aware that like we are humans. So we will have weaknesses. In that weakness, we can turn to our creator. We can turn to God because there's nowhere else to go. And you guys have seen this. Like when people have like big accidents, like a lot of times people who, who struggle with believing in anything outside of themselves, they have these big accidents or they have these big traumatic experiences and it draws them to God because they realize in that moment, like I can't do it alone. And so I think the first thing that softens our heart is humility. But as I studied heart coherence, so from like the more hippie perspective is uh, hippie. It's not hippie, you guys. It's like spiritual, I guess. I don't know what the perspective is. But when you when I studied heart coherence from a more spiritual perspective, they teach three things brings our heart into softness and coherence. And the first one is appreciation and gratitude. So I think of this when it comes to perfectionism, like being humble in our weaknesses first, right? Recognizing that perfectionism is going to work. But then next, becoming appreciative of how far we've progressed, becoming so appreciative of God that offers us grace, totally aware that we are going to screw up everything the whole way on our life progress, right? And offers us so much grace and mercy doesn't judge us in the way we judge others, but loves us unconditionally, regardless of how, what we're doing and who we are, like literally just loves us so much. Like, can we tap into the, the appreciation and the gratitude and the abundance that that is our creator, that that is the universe that we live in? I mean, look outside, you guys, look how abundant it is there. Every single thing created by this, this God, this universe all of nature is so abundant. Like how many rocks are on this earth? We can't even, we can't even talk about how many. We have no clue. Sand, blades of grass, leaves, like everything created by God is so abundant and it's full of so much love. And like, can we just tap into appreciation for that? Can we tap into the appreciation for ourselves, for how far we've come and how good we actually are and how amazing we are? It's that, it's that, paradox or I don't even know if that's the right word but like that dichotomy of like we are nothing but also we are everything and can we tap into appreciation for that the next thing that brings heart coherence is not judging so here's the thing you guys I just I taught this recently in a class on the app I'm going to share it with you guys but I like to think of ourselves as like um Rubik's cubes and we only have perspective while we're on earth of like one side of the cube at a time we don't have the perspective to like see all angles of the cube so if we sit and we judge that one side who knows you know maybe you have 
all the other sides of the Rubik's cube are like perfectly made. And then this one side, yeah, there's one color that's off, but maybe she needs to shift that one color. And, and then you've progressed, like who knows? Like, and so we, we have to be so careful about judging ourselves or others because on earth, we only have perspective of one side of the Rubik's cube of humans, of, of all humans. Like we aren't God. We don't have all the perspectives. We can't see it all right now. And so, especially with others and ourselves, but like just recognizing that that person's a Rubik's cube, (laughs) like you don't see everything. In fact, I don't even know if you see a complete one side of them. And so it's just not our job to judge. And the thing is, is the way that we judge is completely out of character with the way I believe God judges, who's so merciful and so kind and so loving. We judge and we're like, you said, like, I just don't think God ever thinks that. And so So like God is full of grace and mercy and forgiveness and love. Like those are long suffering, patience. Like these are the attributes of Christ, right? And so to think Christ is over here, like you're the worst, you're terrible. Like it's not true. It's not true. It is true that he chastens those that he loves, but that's going to feel expansive and good. And it's going to feel like it's going to lead us in the right place. It's not going to feel like mean and terrible. Okay. So non-judgment. Stop judging. Here's my second plug with social media is be so careful because on social media, we fall into the habit of quick judgments, habitual judgments. We have to be so careful because we'll see that, that, um, like 95% of the time we run off of these habits and patterns. And so we're just judging. We don't even realize it. We're like scrolling. We're like ugly, cool, love it, stupid, like good judgments and bad judgments. It doesn't matter which way you're judging. We just want to be present. Think about the people you love being with the most. They're just present. They're present with you. They're not judging if you're good. They're not judging if you're bad. They're not just thinking, oh, she's so good. She's so good. No, they're just present with you. They're not thinking. They're just with you. That's what we want to do. We want to practice that. The third one is forgiveness. And this one's really important. I think if we want to have a soft heart, we have to be willing to forgive ourselves and forgive others. That means recognizing that we were never meant to be perfect and neither were they in the first place. We were never meant to and neither were they. Recognizing that when we forgive, we become more of who we're meant to be. That forgiveness is the path to enlightenment. It is the path to more abundance. So that is how we soften that heart up and we're able to have a more spongy, absorbent heart. And so that when we do good, we can really feel it when, when we, we can really feel God's love. And then from that energy, we can project it outward onto others and not like, you know, hide our light. So here is the last part about perfectionism that I want to talk about. Perfectionism leaves no room for human weakness. It's so important to understand that there's a difference between sin and weakness. It isn't a sin to be weak. Like you were given weaknesses by God to humble you or so that God can show his power through you, right? Like that's like in when Jesus, um, somebody asked Jesus once, you guys, this is how good I am at like knowing scripture stuff. But someone somewhere said once to Jesus, they said, there was a blind man. They said, what, what did he do to deserve this? Like why does, what sin did he, did he do to have his eyes you know, blinded. And God said, he didn't sin. This is a way for me to show my power pretty much. Like weakness is 
a gift from God that we have that will draw us closer to God and help others draw closer to God in our in our weaknesses. And sin is something that we choose to do that actually draws us away from God. That's a, an enticing by the adversary. And I would say perfectionism is actually one of those things that is a quote unquote sin that draws us away from God. So we can't repent of being weak. It doesn't make us bad to be weak. We can't, it's not gonna make you like quote unquote unclean. We can't grow spiritually unless we reject sin, but we also don't grow spiritually unless we accept our human weakness and that we accept God's grace. That's why a lot of Christians are like, all you gotta do is accept the grace of God. And it's because as we accept God's grace, we will become changed. We have greater ability to progress. If you are starting to become aware like, of your weakness, right? And you feel resistant to humbling yourself. It's because you think you have to do it yourself. And it's just not true. In Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lonely in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he says, come come unto me. If you're resisting wanting to come unto him, it's because I think you think that you have to do it yourself and that you should be somewhere you're not and that maybe God's going to meet you with wrath or anger. but there's patterns that show that God doesn't, our creator doesn't meet us like that. We're met with comfort and consolation first. Before assignments, before more ways to change, we're met with comfort. So it's safe. It's safe to look at it. Another thing I think if we're resisting wanting to, you know, make these changes is because we have identified as somebody who does more who's who's a doer who's perfect we've identified as somebody who can do everything who does just work harder think harder try harder do more we've identified with that but that's not our true identity our true identity is just us right like i am just who i am our ego wants to identify so i have a little saying like that sometimes we have to drink the bitter cup and that bitter cup is full of poison that kills our ego softens our heart <laughs> So sometimes like letting go of perfectionism is going to feel like drinking a bitter cup. It's not going to feel good at first because, because in our mind, it's not perfect to let go of perfectionism and it feels scary, but you it's safe. And it's actually the thing that's going to progress you further to perfect your nature. You have to let go of perfectionism and control. Hear that again (laughs) to perfect your nature. We have to let go of perfectionism and control. And we have to accept grace, grace from ourselves and grace for others and also grace from God. As we learn to do that, I think that we'll feel more love in our souls and we'll want to serve more and we'll want to do more good. And it will be easy and it will feel fun and exciting and good. It won't feel hard. It won't feel like heavy laden and it will it will be from a different energy. And. That's what's important is the energy. And we'll be able to experience life and enjoy it now instead of waiting till a later time to be content when things are more perfect. So notice it. You'll notice it. And we've gotten deep, right? There's lots of layers to this. You might just notice it in your desire to have a perfect body or to have a perfect house or to have a perfect, you know, um, 
like yard, like just stupid stuff like that. You might notice it there, but it probably goes deeper. It probably goes a lot deeper than that. So take a look and see, am I falling into this, you know, counterfeit gospel of perfectionism? And if you are, it's okay. (laughs) You're not supposed to be perfect. Of course, you're supposed to fall into this because now you're going to learn all about grace and you're going to learn about like love and the goodness of God and the goodness of this universe and the beauty of just this experience of progressing and the process of time. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope you're able to take something from it. And I just really hope that you'll embrace the truth that like you were never meant to be perfect right now in the first place. And so just go and enjoy whatever you do and appreciate yourself along the way. Appreciate God along the way. Don't judge yourself and just allow and accept and be present. Like that is where it's at. I hope you guys have a great day. Um, If you loved this, will you please share it with a friend if you know someone who's like, oh, they just like get down on themselves. They feel like they're not enough. They struggle with who they are. Send this to them. Share it on your social media because it helps me a ton if you guys share it. And yeah, come hang out with us on the app. We take these topics from the podcast and we go way deep and we, we just dive into topics. We coach on them. So if you have like actual questions for me now, like let's say you just listen to this. Drive. I have questions. I have things I need help with. Go get the app every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We meet. You can come ask me questions. I'll coach you. We talk. We learn. It's amazing. I love doing it. I hope you guys will come hang out with us. We'll see you next time.